Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Football Ramble on Football Ramble Daily. My name is Marcus C. Speller. And my name is James E. Campbell. I'm Luke A. Moore. And I'm Pete D. 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 Dolson. Hello, one and all. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's bloody lovely to have you here. It's another beautiful day in the kingdom, everybody. And Pete Donaldson recently had a birthday weekend, didn't you, Petey? <laughs> I don't know why you're bringing up my birthday right now, but uh, I would like to let everyone know that I had a lovely weekend uh, alone uh, in front of my computer <laughs> drinking cans of Tisky. I've adopted the uh, Polish, I think it's Polish, uh, <laughs> lager drink as my tipple of choice. There is a Japanese connection. It is bottled or canned uh, by Asahi UK. Uh, so uh, I'm, a, I'm a Tisky tit. I'm a, I'm, I'm, that, that's, that's me. That's me for my life now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've moved from Stella to Tisky. So, Peter, what differed from this year's celebration to last year's celebration? Um, very well, more Tisky, basically. That's, uh, <laughs> that it, yeah. that's, how, that's how that one's panned out. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's pretty it's much growth in a way. Yeah. Well, let's see how, how the big four all goes next year. Yeah, <laughs> no way. You're the picture of youth, crocodile. Oh, goodness, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we are. It's uh, it's Star Wars Day today, Luke, isn't it? Of course, May the 4th. It is. Um, oh, and I, is, yes. I am the one who shares the name with the most famous Star Wars character, I suppose, and my wife is obsessed with Star Wars. I've even mm. agreed to watching the latest movie that's just been put on Disney Plus tonight. So that's what I'll be doing this evening to celebrate Star Wars Day. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but Pete, presumably you'll be doing mm-hmm. nothing. Well, no, I might get involved with Star Wars Day. I mean, it sounds like whosoever house it is, uh, there's some kind of Tie Fighter action going on in the background. Don't know exactly what's going on. But... So, so basically, I'll give I'll give people a, 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 a sort of a look behind the curtain here. Obviously, we're all recording mm. for our respective homes. Um, Literally behind the curtain. About about ten o'clock this morning, when we we're supposed to start recording, the next door neighbour decided he wanted to have a skip removed, and I thought, mm. right, we'll just wait for that to get out of the way. And now he's decided to start streaming his hedge. And that's not a euphemism. Yeah. He's literally streaming his head. So there's nothing I can do about it. He just has to get on with it. Has he not heard that uh, the entire nation slash world has taken up uh, podcasts? So, exactly. You know, yeah. Have a bit of respect. Do I- it at two in the morning. I- isolating vocals is the most important <laughs> thing we can do as a nation right now. But uh, yeah, happy May the 4th, everyone. Uh, Pete, can I just also say, if you think if you think that sounds like TIE Fighters, you've never seen Star Wars. <laughs> uh, I've seen one. I've seen one and a half Star Wars before. Is in on the Disney Plus versions? Have they edited to put more hair on Chewbacca? Because obviously, famously in the film Splash, they put more hair on Daryl Hannah. Have they removed some of uh, Wookiee's uh, all of the Wookiee's hair? Or the I'll report hair? back. I'll report, report back. back. They, sure. They've made all kinds of changes, haven't they? They changed like the various actors playing various ghosts at different points, and they they do all kinds of edits because George Lucas has sort of gone. Mad. I think they might have made Yoda CGI, and they also made some mess up with Jabba the Hutt at one point as well, because because mm. George Lucas kept tinkering, didn't he? Mm. Yeah. He's like Kevin Shields with Loveless. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim, over the weekend you were uh, pouring through the uh, the project restart plans, of course, that the Premier League is undertaking. Yeah, they're going to be. Didn't they, understand they, they, a word. <laughs> no, but, but neutral stadiums was, was were two words that, that stuck out for you. Um, Brighton's chief executive, uh, Paul Barber, has said they're opposed to this, and I did quite I did find this rather amusing because neutral grounds is what banners banished about. You know, between eight and ten grounds, they think is probably a better idea for safety. And as I say, Brighton's chief exec, Paul Barber, said no, 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 we're opposed to this, and then. Um, it came out that Brighton's ground is reportedly one of the grounds that the Prem are considering, and Barber said he was unaware of this. And I thought to myself, was he, like, kicking off on the Zoom chat that they were reportedly mm-hmm. having? And someone just went, ah, your ground's one of them. Yeah, so what did you think about that? Well, you know what I think about that. Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I quite like how Brighton seemed to have stepped up as a sort of, like, shop steward kind of mm. figure. <laughs> Uh, among the Premier League clubs. They're one of the only ones are actually sort of, you know, kind of being quite vocal about what's going on, aren't they? Um, but I, I also read a piece yesterday saying that um, the behind closed doors thing is something that not, and the, particularly the neutral venues idea based around that is something that a lot of clubs aren't particularly interested in because the clubs down the bottom obviously feel like that's they're at a huge disadvantage if they're fighting against relegation, but also... Um, 
you know, in, in these neutral venues with, with no fans. And on, on one hand, it's like, well, it sort of has to be like that. But on the other hand, I kind of understand it, that they are put in a, in a very, very difficult position. Um, so there's been, I think there's been some pushback from, from what I read yesterday where those clubs want the idea, are more open to the idea, certainly, if if the idea of relegation is removed. And mm. clubs themselves now seem to be talking about things like, hey, well, why not make the Premier League bigger next season? So, I mean, we, Jamie O'Hara was laughed out of town for suggesting that on, on Sky Sports News a little while ago. I don't, know. I don't know why he was the only person they could get thinking about it. But it's not like any of the other <laughs> decent pundits are busy, is it? Um, but still, this idea seems to have popped up again. And I think this is what's going to keep happening, isn't it? Until we have a clearer idea of when it's safe for things to resume, we're just going to go through these cycles of potential solutions because we are effectively just in a situation where we don't know when things are going to start again. Are you saying, uh, Jim, that Jamie O'Hara is once again unwelcomely if that indeed is a word, it isn't, uh, pouring uh, cold or ice water over something and that, 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 that something is not enjoying it. Isn't that what he yeah. did on, uh, on his manager? I'm just pointing out something that happened and if it has a parallel <laughs> with something else, then I suppose that is what I'm doing, Pete, yes. Mm. So you've <laughs> been to you. court before, Jim, haven't you? <laughs> uh, I have, actually. I was taking minutes in a temp job I did. It was horrible. A temp job? Oh. Mm. In a court? Yeah, what, obviously what it was weird. Of, what I, kind of crimes? Uh, it was a it was family court. I probably can't talk about it. Judge Judy. It was very unpleasant. Although actually, the um, the judge looked and sounded a lot like um, Anne Robinson, and the, <laughs> the, right. the barristers on both sides in their closing mm-hmm. statements. And this was it was a family court, so this was about whether a family would have access to their child over Christmas, effectively or not. They were saying things like, "Your Honour." Um, uh, we take your points of view that such and such is the weakest link in the in the argument. It's like, oh my god! And they're all like me. back slapping and laughing about it with the family in the court. How has this never come up before? So yeah, I have I have been to court. It was absolutely outrageous. Jim, I've seen you use computers and stuff, and invariably they end up on fire. I wouldn't trust you to keep data. I know, mate. <laughs> Safe and secure. Well, yeah. Most of my minutes were about that, to be fair, as well, which was ultimately irrelevant to the company that had hired me. Oh, wow. Well, I didn't, ex- I didn't expect to hear that, Jim. That's the thing. You never know with Jim Campbell. Well, I didn't expect you to once be a bacon delivery boy, so we're learning a lot about ourselves, aren't we, <laughs> yeah. during the lockdown? <laughs> Wait till you hear the time about me being an astronaut. You'll, it'll blow your mind. <laughs> Pete, you were a zookeeper, weren't you? Except you actually were. Yeah, something like that. No, but <laughs> I, I can... I can, I can, um, I can, I can, I can give you clarification on that pete was once paid 50 pounds a week for a year to make an interactive dvd about twilight cross zoo and never did it that's what he did. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a dvd it was a cd-rom sorry a cd-rom I did you have to give the money back have have some f- respect for the 650 megabyte limit please <laughs> sorry mate <laughs> did you have to give the money back pete now I bloody didn't. It was a pittance, and a time where all of my friends and colleagues were on a lot more than me for a year. Uh, but then I did manage to talk them down to three days a week. And in the end, yes, I I, I committed fraud. But <laughs> no, we moved very quickly to the internet age, and we don't use CD-ROMs anymore. So who was the visionary? It was me. Well, a Jim. lazy they're visionary. Lazy. They're, over, they're always so, mm. so often they're lazy, aren't they, visionaries? Yeah, <laughs> yeah the are, path of are. least resistance. And you're basically Gandhi, aren't you, Pete? <laughs> I am a little bit, yeah. I am a little bit. Uh, well, Where's Pete? Pete? He's watching the chimps again. Uh, <laughs> Pete, it sounds like you'll be seeing Jim in court. Um, Luke, do you like the idea that the, the, the clubs down the uh, the bottom end of the Premier League have said, no, oh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, be up for playing games, you know, neutral grounds. Yeah, absolutely. If you take relegation off the table. <laughs> um, There's no peril. Not really. Yeah. I mean, I'm fed up of ideas now, to be yeah. honest. Okay. Uh, there's too many of them. People are just saying them all the time. We need an idea, though, don't we? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I, <laughs> I am in favour. I've, I've, I've come full circle, really. I, when, when, we, when this first all started, it, it looked to me like the cleanest and easiest way, and as I keep saying, as people will probably get annoyed with me, keep saying the least unfair way would just be to, to, to null and void the season and not... Um, dish out relegation or, or league titles or anything like that. I think, And I think we all agree on this because we've talked about it before and I hope I'm not putting words in your guys' mouth, but I think we all agree that 
no matter how far clear they are at the top of the table, awarding PSG the title before they've won it is ridiculous. It should never have happened. And, mm. I, and I, I feel the same about the Premier League as well. I think it's unfortunate of how good Liverpool have been. But to me, those who are in favour in saying, oh, why is next season hasn't even started yet more important than this season that's 75% done? Well, that misses the point. It entirely misses the point. The situation could continue for years and years, us trying to chase our tails and get this sorted out if we overrun and overrun and overrun on something that really, in the, in the grand scheme of things, isn't actually that important compared to what's been going on in wider society. So I would I would be in favour of, um, of probably, if we can't get it done within a time frame, to completely null and void it and, um, and, um, and move on, start again as soon as it's safe to do so. That would be my take on it. But having said that, I mean, I was just being fr- uh, flippant at the top of my point about ideas. I, I'm, I'm obviously open to lots of different ways of trying to resolve it as best as possible. And, and I get that this might be one of them, but I, I can't get any, I can't muster any enthusiasm for a method that finishes the season in October or November because it throws us all out of sync. And it's, I just don't think it's necessary to do that. I think we can probably start again and say, look, it is what it is. It's a wider issue. It's a worldwide pandemic. It's unprecedented. And we weren't able to complete the season and, and, and move on in that way. That's, that would be my current favoured option. But of course, as the information changes, you have to kind of change your stance a little bit. But that's where I am for now. But look, when you say when you say it's, it's thrown everybody out, will throw us out of sync. Absolutely. But the Qatar World Cup will throw us out of sync as well. Yeah. Well, I don't agree with that either. <laughs> it's a fair point. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't uh, this is the thing, right? So this is what yeah. happens all the time with football at the moment. People, every time you make a point, if you do a, any kind of football broadcasting, you make a point of view, you just get chucked a load of what about it. Is it what about or what about it? Yeah. What about What about straight back at you? Oh, well, you don't like the Saudi takeover of Newcastle. What about Man City? Well, right. I don't really agree with that either. Well, you don't like yeah. this. Or what about the Qatar World Cup? You can't just keep saying <laughs> other things have happened mm. that are bad, so therefore we should turn a blind eye to new bad things. It, yeah. I don't agree with the Qatar World Cup either, so I can't use that to inform my opinion about us making another what I believe would be a bad decision. Still going to watch it, haven't you? Still going to watch it? <laughs> still going to get an Amazon and watch it, don't you? Yeah? Still going to have cameras, aren't there? Yeah? We're still going to be talking about it, aren't you? Stop uh, having an opinion because you're going to watch it. Has <laughs> this recording session been hacked? <laughs> but I think, though, the, the, the thing is with the cat, I will I completely agree with what you're saying. But because, I mean, you'd be a very brave person to, to factor that into the scheduling of sort of next season and the season after and so on. But there, there's been a few suggestions there. But I think that makes it an even more tangled web kind of a situation really do you do you think that that, that looking at the the all of the maniacs in in parliament square at the weekend sort of <laughs> shouting at the government to open up the yeah, open yeah. up the country again and that do you think that like there is a a public kind of order uh, aspect to this as well and football and sport in general coming back i've said this before on the podcast i'm sure sport and football coming back is part of a healing process does return some kind of normalcy mm. to to proceedings yeah. and does help yeah. people to get back on their feet a little bit so that there is that aspect to it i realize it's all uh going to come down to governmental advice but i i do also think that maybe make that maybe move the season a little earlier by a couple of weeks just to kind of help us get back on our feet in in a but, but the other thing in our psyches the other thing that's got to be factored in, for sure, is is the idea of what the players want to do. And we talked about this late mm. late last week. And I'm I'm fairly certain Marcus, not to steal his thunder, is going to come in and talk about one of Gary Neville's ideas about moving <laughs> the, the football overseas. And you know, I respect um, the idea that that Gary Neville's putting forward all these suggestions. And I think what Gary, I don't know him, I never met him, but what I based on what he said and reading between the lines, I think what he's doing is trying to show a little bit of leadership because I don't think mm. he thinks that leadership has been present. And I respect him using his platform to do that. So I'm not going to criticise him just for chucking ideas out there. But I mean, what I would say is his most recent one is mental. Absolutely <laughs> mental. The Australia one. it bears repeating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does. I mean, I but, yeah, he has he has put himself, as you say, um, Luke. He's put himself out there, and he's been criticising the, the lack of leadership, hasn't he? But you know, they can the leagues can only the leagues and the clubs as well. They they can only really follow the guidelines that that, that they're being given. So it is difficult for them to come out and say that they they're definitely going to do X or or Y. Um, but at the same time, I suppose he's being put on the spot and asked asked stuff from his living room with his really really big pot of fake white branches in it. So it's. <laughs> Uh, can you see that? <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very strange. 
It's like a sort of a, man, a, a, a person's home is surely they're, they're, they're able to do what they want to do with it, right? I mean, Jim, you mm. just talked to us before we started about what's in your room at the moment, and uh, it sounded quite mental as well. So yeah. each to their own, it's, I'd it's say. fair. Actually, it's very fair. <laughs> you were talking about a giant whiteboard taking up all the space. Yeah, it's not a giant happened. whiteboard. It's just a normal whiteboard. Oh, okay. Sorry. It depends, it depends on your you, viewpoint, I suppose. What do yeah. you write on there? You're like your daily formation? What's, what's going on? Um, I've got a to-do <laughs> list and I've also got a little note that says things take longer than you think they will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Just a little reminder. Nice, I like it. Jim, have you got a list of have you got a list of countries that the Premier League could be played in if they do go abroad, like Gary Neville suggests? I haven't, Marcus, <laughs> but I do have room for that. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, right? The thing is, so we, we talked last week or the week before about the idea that players that come back go to these um places for four weeks be isolated from their families and we talked about the idea of just to give people a reminder the fact that childcare is going to be difficult for families at the moment footballers are very much a part of that and a lot of them have come out and said no it's not really realistic for this reason that reason the other reason and then Gary Neville says would you like to go to Western Australia no, to yeah. be fair to Gary Neville, he actually didn't. I don't think he said Australia. He said that matches could go abroad. And there's an English agent called Gary Williams who lives in Perth, Australia, who's been in contact with government authorities and Premier League clubs about the idea of holding it in Western Australia. And the Perth senator, Glenn Stirl, or Stirlow, as I'm sure he's called out. He's called Glenn. Amazing. Um, <laughs> has come out in support of the idea. But I like, I like the thought of this guy, Gary Williams, just constantly bombarding the Premier League going, well, you can still come out to Western Australia and them going, not house. now, Gary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you remember when ACDC uh, went on tour in <laughs> South America because they figured out that instead of like getting all Metallica on everyone's arses and, and, and getting angry about Napster, they actually analysed um, where all of their music was getting torrented. So just find the place where no one likes Premier League football yeah. and just go there. As long as there they is don't no have place, quite though. as many. That's the problem. Well, New, New Zealand have very, very low, have very low um, COVID cases, Scotland. <laughs> yeah, but therefore New Zealand won't want all the Premier League turning up, will they? Exactly. Can I also say my point? My point still stands. The fact that a lot of players said we don't want to be away from our families for four weeks <laughs> in St George's Park, which is in the Midlands, means they're probably not going to want to go to New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. I like, which government officials has he spoke to? It just reminds me of that Father Ted sketch. You know, the Midlands is close. New Zealand is very far away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would say that on Short Football on the Daily. Uh, how you can get involved with the email chat. Uh, we don't need any more plans from everyone. Uh, we have about <laughs> ten every single, and, I, and, and, and you will have, and that. you will have noticed that I've never read the, any of them out because they're they're both either the, pretty much the same, mad, madder than what anything I could come up with, uh, and so I don't end up reading them out. So so and don't worry about it, guys. We, yeah. don't, we, we don't know what, what's going to happen. The, the football authorities clearly don't know what's going to happen, so let's just relax, all right, yeah? Everybody yeah. calm down for crying out loud. Well, according to reports, Premier League players might be interviewed at half-time and cameras could be placed in the dressing rooms as a part of Least the league's of our plans. Problems. Yep, the, the part of the league's plans <laughs> to revamp broadcast in Project Restart. I mean, if that doesn't substitute... God. Thousands of fans going to the ground. I don't know what does. That fascinates me. <laughs> Can I just say, I like, I like you guys sound exasperated by that. I quite like that idea. I think you know what's what's really interesting to me is that um, no one that I have spoken to uh, out of my friends who are big football fans have really let it sink in yet that we're not going to see crowds or feel or hear crowds at football matches for a very long time. And that's going to change football in a huge way. Anyone who's watched Sky Sports on a Friday night when they occasionally show Wigan as part of their uh, Friday night football will know that watching football without fans is a bit rubbish, right? So <laughs> they, have to, they have to innovate to show more interest in the broadcasting. And I, I actually think that's a good idea. I, I think, you know, when, when you see an FA Cup game and they have a Premier League team versus a non-league team or whatever, they sometimes patronise the non-league manager by interviewing them at half-time and stuff. Mm. But it is insightful. I, I think it's a good idea. It is, but the danger is that it becomes here to stay, doesn't it? And then you've got um, you've got a broadcaster distracting one, of the t one or both of the teams at, during half-time in a period where they're supposed to be taking a team talk or whatever and I think any sort of encroachment by the broadcaster on the actual sport itself is is frustrating and I, the, I think the danger is that that becomes the norm because quite often these things aren't rode back on are they but the thing is well fair enough I do I do respect that viewpoint but I would just counter it by saying that football 
has um, taken a lot of money from broadcasting and mm. none of that really has been passed on to the fans in any capacity at all. So the chance that broadcasting could do, could do something that could offer a genuine bit of insight to fans and make it more entertaining and more interesting for them, particularly at a time when footballers, when fans can't go and watch footballers play, I think would be a good thing. I don't realistically think, nor does anyone, that they're going to show the actual team talks, but... Mm. Cameras in the dressing room would be interesting. Um, they're already, I mean, there's already a precedent for that anyway, because if you want to pay a hundred grand or whatever it is, you can watch the players walking through the tunnel at Man City yeah. and Spurs that I know of. Um, so I think if it can be done in a way that doesn't completely compromise the integrity of the competition, of course, then mm. I think I think it's a good thing. I, I don't necessarily think it's something that should be it should be seen as a negative personally, because in times of hardship come times of great innovation and I don't think sport um, or entertainment or whatever should be should necessarily be immune from that I realise that people have not seen any innovation for us at football, from us at Football Ramble Daily and I apologise for that Book <laughs> <laughs> clubs alright <laughs> yeah, exactly. thank you mate what yeah. the hell well apparently the FA Cup could be scheduled for the 5th or the 8th of August under that's the project the restart plans exactly that's exactly. the one we're waiting for that's mm. the one the Newcastle Man City match come on Yes, Newcastle have still got a chance. Well, they were talking about giving it to the uh, team who were still in the competition and had the most goals, which, thanks to Newcastle uh, being unable to beat lower league opposition, had a lot of replays. <laughs> so they would have won the thing. Oh, well, wow. Probably would have gone for that one. And that's, in, <laughs> yeah. in a nutshell, why that should absolutely not happen. Oh, we've got a lot of replays <laughs> against lower league opposition, so we deserve to win it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Null and void. Hand it out, Gordon Bennett. <laughs> Why do you think there's a desperation, for example, for something like... I mean, Marcus, I'll just throw this back at you. For something like the FA Cup, why is there a desperation, it seems, come what may, to finish this competition and give someone an FA Cup trophy in August? When when you think about it, for the, the biggest... Um, one of the biggest attractions of the FA Cup is the fact that most teams um, of, a, of a certain level can enter it, uh, and it's and it's and it's it's done throughout the season. By the time August comes around, everything being well, the FA Cup's new season should have started anyway. So it remains to be seen how it's going to be sorted next season. If the final's not going to be done till August or whatever, they can't start the new FA Cup, can they? So what, why is there a desperation? Why don't they just, Marcus? Tell me why you, you why they don't just get rid of it for the bands. Fair enough. <laughs> Pete, yeah, but you do, do you not. Do, I'll throw it to Pete. Um, yeah, but do you not think that? I mean, I mean, there are there's no lower league opposition. There's no non-league opposition in the FA Cup right now, so they could effectively overlap if they really, really needed to. I mean, you know, there's, there's no kind of like there's no instruction from heaven that says a, a competition has to be finished before the next one starts. I mean, that does happen uh, that around the world. That would be insane, so, though. By the way, that would, would it I mean, be fine. I think so because if it gets pushed back and pushed back. I mean, all of a sudden, you've got we're playing on Wednesday in the semi-final last year's one, and then we've got <laughs> we've got the first round proper or the third round the week on Tuesday. It's, it's mad. The Scottish League Cup finishes in August, like last year, doesn't it? <laughs> Every year it seems to get earlier and earlier. I refer you to my previous point earlier <laughs> in the show. I don't agree with that either. Well, yeah. you, the reason why they want to finish the FA Cup is because if they if they want to pick up the season and finish it, Newcastle haven't won a domestic trophy since the mid fifties. You know, they probably think, well, everyone should have a chance to. Uh, compete in the competition and, and so on and so forth. That, that's that's why. I, I do think that once we start picking at the seams of, of, of football, it's the, the, the very fibres of it. You just sort of think football is absurd anyway. So let's yeah. just relax yeah. about <laughs> making it more yeah. absurd. Oh yeah, you don't want to pull on the thread of why exactly does this have to happen? <laughs> yeah. Does this matter? Yeah. I don't know. You know, I don't know if this matters. <laughs> we'll get out of a job. I understand that the point about the FA Cup, you sort of make it null and void, you know, what's the point? I suppose if you then start saying to a oh, but they haven't won it for a while, or, or there's there's no non-league opposition in it, or blah, 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 blah. It's kind of like, no, 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 you, you are the player. They're not going to beat Man City. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, well, we, we might never know, Peter, but Newcastle United, no. with all the chat of the prospective new owners uh, of Newcastle lining up Pochettino or somebody else to replace Steve Bruce, the players apparently have come out in support of Big Steve. They they are going to stand up and be counted for for old Brucey. According to sources, they are in favour of Steve Bruce staying and are going to do all they can to keep old Brucey baby at the club, even if oh. that means finishing in the top four. They're going to do it for Brucey. <laughs> I imagine that the players are probably working harder than in, under lockdown than they do on the training. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Yeah, they can't believe their luck. I don't want this to end. I also love the idea of Steve Bruce with a blank check. How ambitious would he be? He's like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll try and get that Mikhail Antonio or, or Ashley Barnes or, or maybe even Shane Long. To be fair, the first two would be good signings, Jim. With a blank check? With a blank check, Marcus? <laughs> also, to be fair, like if, if, you, if anyone who's ever had a job will know that if you've got a boss who lets you do whatever you want and there's rumours that he's going and a new one's coming in and he's got a reputation for high achievement, in quotes, it's the last thing you want. Absolutely. <laughs> you want David, not Neil. <laughs> 100%. Well, I, I found this quite interesting, that this piece of news, that there's a consortium uh, apparently consisting of Henrik Larsson, Philip Koku, Dirk Kautz, Dennis Burkamp and Ronald Koeman, and they're pl- planning on buying an English football club. Now, the agent, Rob Janssen, is, is heading up the project, and they said that they nearly recently, or recently nearly, whichever wording you prefer, had a deal with a club that uh, that Janssen wouldn't name, but they were beaten by a foreign investor. And I thought, this surely next not. next film club. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, some sort of football-themed Avengers. Yeah, I just, I, beaten by a, a foreign investor. I mean, obviously the deal hasn't been done, but could they have been in charge of a, of a, of a, of a northeastern football club in England? Who knows? Maybe Bergkamp would have a statue of himself mugging off Nicholas de Bits or something. <laughs> what I would say, by the way, is that if that is a lot of that is an amazing um, undertaking of a huge amount of travel for Dennis Bergkamp. It is. It certainly is. Well, I, I thought to myself. You could imagine the the five of them sat around and go, "Yeah, we've got the deal. That's brilliant." And Kuman going, um, "So I'll 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 probably be manager, won't I?" And and, and Philip <laughs> yeah. Cocker going, "Well, actually, we we do need to talk about that because I thought, you know, me and this this massive argument breaking out. Um, we should say though, um, at the time of recording, that Kuman um, apparently has had a heart procedure recently after experiencing chest pains. It sounds like he'll be okay though. Um, so." All the best to, to Ronald, but yes, I, yeah. I, I would. The, the five of them taking over an English side, I, I would imagine it would be a lower English side, of course, but it'd be interesting. Can I dream that Dennis is coming to save the day at Arsenal and rid us from Stan Kroenke? Because yes, um, unlikely, the, 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 the new stadium for the St Louis Rams or the, the LA Rams, as they're called now, is apparently like running into the billions. Maybe he needs to free up some cash. Please sell us Stan. Please just sell us <laughs> Please, just please. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing about it is that um, is that it might mean that Philip Cocker doesn't think he's going to be at Derby County for much longer. Yeah. I mean, because it's a I bit mean, of a conflict of interest, isn't it? I would say so. Yeah, it's, it's kind of this is this is the natural conclusion of football, isn't it? We now got to a point. Now I understand that there's going to be other investors here, and these guys are probably just um, just the uh, figureheads of it. But I mean, it's happened. There's a little bit of a precedent with Salford, isn't there? It's got to mm-hmm. the point now where the game is play is paying top footballers so much that they're now able to almost own clubs. I mean, David Beckham's yeah. done the same thing in, uh, in Miami. But if 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 Salford get up, up the Football League and start playing against um, teams that one of these guys perhaps is managing at some point because, you know, Gary Neville's managed, Ryan Giggs is managing. I mean, it could be a ridiculous situation that football would need to do something about. So not to put co- poor cold water on it because the idea is, is, is amazing. Uh, it does seem a little bit odd. Yeah, I think the the natural progression from that as well is in sort of like maybe 20, 30 years, the only people that can afford to attend games will be ex-footballers. <laughs> so you look around the crowd and it'll no, just they'll be behind closed doors glittering. still, won't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, guys, uh, now, uh, when you're talking about pouring cold water on something, I've just realised I've confused Jamie O'Hara with David Bentley. Right. I, oh. Yeah, I th- I was grasping for what you meant. He did, over Harry Redknapp. Yeah, and you just let me get away with it every time, and I appreciate that, guys. Yeah. Well, it was your birthday weekend. Pete, it's a high percentage of things, um, and I'll, I'll speak on behalf of you and Marcus here if they don't mind. <laughs> it's a high percentage mm. of things that we just simply do not know what you're talking about, mm, so we just yeah. let you get on with it. I'm playing Absolutely. 4D chess, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trumping it. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even Pete's birthday weekend, so there we are. <laughs> no, it was um, just Tisky Day. <laughs> Tisky Day. <laughs> Uh, Every day is tisky day. (laughs) Right, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) let's go for a quick break. Welcome back to the Football Ramble on Football Ramble Daily, everybody. Luke. Sponsored by Tisky. 
<laughs> right. It's not sponsored by Tisky, although this Sunday... Come on, guys. Come and get Sunday, me. Uh, ...sees another edition of the Football Ramble Daily Book Club with Andy Brassel, Kate Mason and myself. This week, we'll be talking about Building the Yellow Wall by Uli Hess, a book on the history and global appeal of Borussia Dortmund, and we'd love you to join us. There's still just about enough time to get a copy of the book and read it before Sunday's show, so grab one from a reputable bookseller and let us know what you think of it over on our Instagram, at Football Ramble Daily or Twitter at Football Ramble. Last episode of the book club was released on Sunday 19th of April and featured Duncan Hamilton's opus about Brian Clough, Provided You Don't Kiss Me. If you haven't heard that yet, grab yourself an ice cold tisky from the fridge, pop it open (laughs) and give it a listen. Do you drink and read? Yeah, of course. I tend Uh, not to drink and read. Have a beer or a glass of wine, nothing more than that. I, I hear about, like, yeah, I hear a lot, like, a lot of people on podcasts and radio shows where they talk about going to a pub and, and reading a book. It's like, after the first beer, like, after, you, you just get distracted, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. By what a brilliant what time you're you. Because <laughs> you're having a brilliant time, Marcus. All of your yeah. inhibitions have gone. Fight. Everything you say Fight. is really, really funny. You, you, yeah. feel, you, you consider starting fights, making love. <laughs> yeah, you start a band. <laughs> <laughs> I've oh. got a mate, by the way, who's um, a good friend of mine who started um, a band. <laughs> yeah, is that is that sort of no- kind of noise? While you haven't got one, whoever that was, lockdown mate. <laughs> who started five aside teams, bands, book clubs, all sorts wow. in the local pub, and none of them ever had anything to do. Yeah, none of them ever yeah. done anything. Yeah, a friend of mine used to start bands all the time to the point where he saw a guy who was drumming on some buckets um, in Oxford Street, and he he put his number on a little note. And, and put it in the guy's bucket. It's like, mate, he's not going to call you and start a band with you. <laughs> Jim, put on the whiteboard, start a band. It's <laughs> on there, mate. It's on there. Think, things that take longer than you think. <laughs> oh, right. It's now time for emails with PTD. Stuff emails with me. If you want to get in touch with the show, it is as always shortfootballrumbledaily.com. You just heard the jingle. Why not get involved? Oliver Hogburn says uh, more on pards is the subject line. Oi, oi, gents. First time email. I love the show. Oh, stop it. I uh, heard a fun fact to get you chuckling about good old pards. Alan Pard, you to his enemies, uh, from a friend over the weekend. His last three wins have come in three separate years, with a year Ooh. in between them two, if we couldn't get any Ooh. better. 2016, 2018, and 2020, with Palace, West Brom, and obviously Den Haag in 2020. Who will he be managing for his next win in 2022? Place your bets! All the best, <laughs> Oliver Hogman. Wonderful. Uh, Oliver Bailey, uh, friend, uh, is he a oh, friend yeah. of the show? I guess he, he oh, yeah, yeah. again. Uh, yeah, Barry Davies. We were talking memories? About, uh, That's memories. Yeah. That's memories, yeah. Memories... Memories, you must know memories, cat. Uh, Barry Davies, <laughs> porno commentary uh, is the title of this subject uh, email. Uh, did I dream it or did you recently speculate on whether Barry Basher D. Davies could effectively moonlight as a commentator for pornography? If you ask me, some of his existing commentaries already work rather well in this regard. Here are my top five Barry Davies commentaries that conjure up images of hardcore erotica. Number five, where were the Germans? And frankly, who cares? <laughs> Number four, that, that is schoolboy's own stuff. I bet even oh. he can't believe it. Is there anything left from this man to surprise us? <laughs> <laughs> Number three, a test of his pace. Now a test of his finish. And he's equal to both. <laughs> number, number, number two, it's up for grabs now. And finally, number one, interesting Interesting, very interesting. Look at his face. Yeah. Just look at his face. <laughs> I knew that was coming, yeah. so yeah. to speak. Yeah, you knew yeah. that was coming. Oliver oh. Burley, fantastic work. Excellent. Carsten uh, 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 says, has there ever been a one-manager man? In American football, as a player, Owen Daniels, who's played for four different teams, but only one coach, uh, Gary Kubiak, which is a fantastic mm. name, uh, just followed him from team to team. Are there any footballers who've played for multiple clubs, but only one manager? I'm thinking it's probably like the son of the manager, I'm thinking yeah, the Alex uh, Bruce's, Bruce Bruce's offspring. Yeah, yeah, that kind Nico of thing. Nico Crenshaw. Um, 
Just Harry Redknapp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's also there's also one with I think um, Dion Burton. If those of you remember him, a striker yeah, yeah. from uh, mostly mm. in the early 2000s, he played mm. a lot under the great, the late great uh, Jim, Jim Smith, Smith. God rest him. Mm. At lots of different clubs. I'm not really sure. I mean, maybe he just thought he could trust him, and he was he thought he could rely on him. But he he famously followed Jim Smith at a lot of different places. So I don't th- obviously exclusively just for one manager was a little bit far fetched, mm. but. Um, mm. I mean, Kranjkar and Redknapp is the is the all time classic, isn't it? Well, it's kind of it's it's much maligned that kind of behaviour. But <clears throat> I mean, if you trust a player, if you know exactly what that player can do, it's yeah. the best situation. Like, you, yeah, but yeah. Pete, I think there's there's been there's been a suggestion that the reason Nepotism. that there's a reason <laughs> that the Redknapp Kranjkar one happened may not oh, have yeah. been for that Let's reason. And I'll tell you about what that is after the show. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> but a better example would be. Jermaine Defoe and Harry Redknapp. Defoe said recently yes. that he felt Redknapp, Redknapp was like a father yeah. figure and, and so on and so forth. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Also, um, Maurizio Sarri even tried to sign Jorginho for Juventus, didn't he, when he went there? So he uh, likes to he likes to have Jorginho because yes. he's exactly that player that he trusts. Actually, I learned something recently. Did you guys know that Maurizio Sarri is a, a, a literal translation of Smokey Morris? Wow. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Wow. Bluesman. That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't it? No one said determinism. Love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think some I of the names you, you don't realise, I think John Travolta, I think I asked James Horncastle about this and he said, yeah, r- nearly. If you put in Travolta to uh, like a basic Google Translate, I think it's, I forget which one, it, I think it's overwhelmed. So it's like John overwhelmed, but very sort of loosely, <laughs> very, I mean, it's not, I'm sure an Italian would say, but you're not far off it. So just enjoy the it. The wickedly <laughs> talented. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Martin Conway's got an email to clear up the naming of Neville Neville. We've been talking about names. Hi, chaps. Oh. In contrast to your explanation on the previous show last week, I have it on family authority. Family authority. That the reason Neville Neville has such a wonderful moniker is not because of laziness, but due in fact to his dad being a big horse racing fan. I don't know why I went big on the word horse there. I'm not <laughs> saying that Neville Neville's dad was a big horse. He wasn't. Mm. A big horse racing Neville. fan on... Boy, Jack Neville. Uh, on the on the day his son was born, he got a hot tip and had a flutter on a horse called uh, "The Last Shall Be the First and the First Shall Be the Last" uh, from Matthew twenty sixteen. Oh, wow. I'm sure you guys know, uh, or at least one of us do. Uh, although I'm sure if that uh, is related, after it came in as a winner, he saw this as a sign that yeah, his name is son as such ridiculous, but not lazy. Mm. Keep up the great work, Martin. I would go with that explanation. Yeah, uh, lazy doesn't else. seem to be something that fits the Neville family, does it? No. No, definitely no. not. Definitely not. I, I, did I, is there a recent piece where uh, um, uh, Phil Neville was talking about uh, when he used to play for Everton and Gary Neville used to play for Manchester United and Gary Neville yeah. used to ham it up massively for the cameras? I was reading that over the weekend. Fascinating dynamic. Like Gary not wanting <laughs> yeah. to shake hands with his brother and stuff and being a bellend. <laughs> do you, do you, do you don't remember when... Um... <laughs> Like they both jumped. They were both on Sky Sports once, and uh, uh, it was yeah. Gary Neville pumped the thing in the studio. And Phil Neville was uh, pitch side or something, and they introduced right. themselves. And uh, it was just the weirdest thing. They might have been joking to be fair, but <laughs> Gary, Gary, Phil Neville went, "Evening, Gary," and Gary went, "Evening, Philip," and they just carried on. <laughs> it was like the strangest thing. <laughs> That's how we should start. Every, actually, I think we, that's exactly how we start every year. Yeah, and we're clear, yeah. crucially, we're not brothers. Exactly. <laughs> brothers in arms, I say. Shortfootballramblederly.com. Get involved. Beautiful. Did you guys see um, this this thing that popped up on the Daily Mail uh, website about Matt Ritchie and John Joe Shelby? It's so funny. Like, So essentially, uh, Matt, the article starts um, with Matt Ritchie and the headline stuff starts with Matt Ritchie essentially bigging up John Joe Shelby saying he's a player who's got everything he can do it all and you know he's incredulous that he's only been capped six times for England but what essentially Matt Ritchie is saying it becomes clear as you read through the article is that Matt Ritchie thinks John Joe Shelby would be a much better player if he wasn't fucking mental and (laughs) And that's coming from Matt Ritchie yeah, no. I've said this to I've said this to his face. If only his head was screwed on and he focused on football and stopped playing golf all the time, he, he could play for Barcelona. It's like okay, thanks very much for that. Appreciate it. I mean, what what a what a backhanded compliment if ever I've yeah. heard one. <laughs> he knows he knows he's not allowed to get at him though. He knows he's got a couple of weeks grace before uh, before Shelby Can't get can near me in training. Him. Yeah, I do find that interesting though because. That the idea of like if he focused and got his head right and concentrated on football, like presumably, like he goes to every training session. Like, what's he doing there to give people this impression? 
You bring in these clubs. <laughs> so so the, the, the latest thinking is, uh, as far as I know, and this might be part of the reason why Gareth Bale, uh, only part of the reason, I should say, why Gareth Bale's been getting a bit of stick is because um, the miles they put on the golf course and the, the movement and the pressures it puts on parts of the body. I, I don't think if you're planet competitive, it's actually a very good idea for a footballer. And apparently mm. John Joe Shelby insists on playing three times a week, every week. And they're saying that, you know, for your mental headspace, for your physical, uh, um, for your physical well-being and stuff, you shouldn't really be doing that. And it, but it's been seen as a traditional way for golf uh, for footballers to relax for obviously decades and decades. And so I think these days maybe they can't get away with it as much as as perhaps they could in the past. And so um, Gareth Bale's another one, isn't he? he? Just plays golf all the time apparently. Mm. So maybe that's got something to do with it. Oh, interesting. Uh, did you see that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo bought his uh, mum a brand new uh, Mercedes 4? Uh, and I quote, as the Daily Mail said, we would go down Daily Mail Avenue. What's quite happened there? Yeah. Lockdown's <laughs> killed us. <laughs> I know, right? I want to distance myself from that. I've not been reading it. My dad, uh, my dad sends me a lot of Daily Mail links. Um, yeah, apparently, <laughs> I, I didn't. I just like the fact that they, they've uh, titled it: Cristiano Ronaldo treats his mother to a new Mercedes as Juventus star wishes his two special women a happy Portuguese Mother's Day. I just love that they have to put in the fact that it's mm. Portuguese Mother's Day. Yeah, that sounds so euphemistic. And- <laughs> sounds like the day that you get whacked. Happy, <laughs> happy, happy Portuguese, Portuguese Mother's, Mother's Day. Mother's day. Yeah, it's not a Dutch Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah, fascinating. I mean, we all we all understand that different countries have different Mother's Day, but I just mm. like the fact that the Daily Mail had to make it very clear that the Portuguese have a very different Mother's Day than we do. Yeah, it's also well. the same in um, in the US. The US Mother's Day is different as mm. well because um, my wife always has to. I get very to... confused. Yeah, it's, mm. it's it's different all the way around the world for some reason. I'm not sure why. And also, I think in Vietnam. They don't have a Mother's Day. They have like a Women's Day, and it's traditional to present presents and flowers and cards to all the women in your life, not just your mother. So oh. it, it does vary around the world. On on uh, Valentine's Day in Japan, uh, women have to give men presents and chocolates and stuff. And then there's oh, a white day there, a month later. <laughs> not not well, no, because then I would have to. Oh yeah, no, I would receive presents. Yeah, sorry, yeah, that's why why I go there. For you chocolates. okay, mate? Your yeah, just, uh, just, uh, just just worrying about Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Portuguese Mother's Day. You've not upset anyone, have you? <laughs> I think it was. I think it was Mother's Day in Poland over the weekend. So the, maybe the Portuguese and the Polish, they uh, they're sharing a Mother's Day. Probably other countries maybe. as well. Confusing. Let's get in mm. line. Can we just can we just unify, can we just get everything together? Let's get rid of all of daylight like savings time. Let's just you know understand that agriculture isn't quite as important anymore. Mothers, just everyone get together and just have one big Mother's Day. Like Christmas. No, I, I don't want to lose no. my freedom, Peter. Okay. <laughs> cool. cool. <laughs> don't step on Marcus, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. I shan't. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for Pete's Film Club. Pete's Film Club. Yes, it's time for my film club. You thought you'd heard quite enough of me, but I've uh, brought you three hours of Dan Danner Dan Gall in a last-ditch effort to save his ground. The jaded coach of the Southall United Football Club assembles a ragtag team and helps lead them to a comeback season. And this is what it sounds like. That's what I want you to be doing. Oh, he's got his speed. But that's what this team needs. Good choice, Sonny. Who's he? Indian boy. Your boyfriend? <laughs> no. Good work, guys. All right. Want to go to the pub and catch a 5.30 game? Hi. Hi. He's Tony, Sunny. Do you know? Tony was the best we ever had. And he's our coach. Mobile phone. Guys, what did you reckon of this one? It was a long one, but I thought it was a good one. In parts. In parts. In, I can't say in parts enough. <laughs> <laughs> I feel Would you like want me to jump in first? I, I think. Yeah, I yeah think go on, Luke. Um, okay, so uh, it was really, really long. That's that's part part number one. I felt yeah. like it went on for such a long time that I watched this on a Saturday afternoon, and it really did feel like it dominated my day. Uh, right, because I was building up to the idea of watching a almost three-hour film that I didn't really want to watch, and then watching mm. said film, which felt even mm. longer. But what I would say is, 
one thing that's coming up time and time again on Pete's Film Club is our assessment of the football scenes within mm-hmm. it. And the football scenes themselves weren't actually too bad. Some yeah, of the actors no. and a lot of the extras could clearly play. And so mm-hmm. from a non-league point of view, it actually looked okay. But the one thing I did find really difficult to get on board with was that they, they had clearly set up an environment and built a world where football was just completely different. So the team names were different, with the with the, with the mm. odd exception, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Gatwick United, and yeah, and it was and it, <laughs> and it was kind of interesting to try and get on board with that. And the graphics were kind of a bit odd in in, in places as well. But I did absolutely love it. I know Jim's going to hammer me for this, but as you guys mm. know, and maybe our listeners don't know as well, I quite like musicals. I quite like musical films, like Oliver, for example, is one of my favourite films. So I really love the music in the middle, and I wish there'd been more songs mm. because to me that's well, more interesting than some well, of the, frankly, quite bad acting. <laughs> well, culturally, uh, Luke, like Indian films, there's just a lot more in there. And like a 90-minute yeah. film is, is regarded as being quite short. They call it the yeah, masala because okay. they mix everything in. They mix romance, drama, comedy, music, action, yeah, everything in that. there. And, 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 and going to the cinema is a bit more social. Hey, that's why was, I was actually going to... My final point was going to be, it's very interesting you say that because for me, it definitely felt like... Um, obviously coming from a background that I come from where you watch obviously Western movies, they have very specific genres about the type of film they are 99% mm. of the time. Whereas this one was, it wasn't really a sports film. It wasn't really a romance. It wasn't really a kind of crime drama, but it was mm. all of those things kind of chucked together, which Had I think is everything. really fascinating, chiefly because your my sensibilities aren't set up to deal with that. So I couldn't really pigeonhole it in my mind, but I, I, yeah. I can't say I didn't, I did enjoy it to an extent, but uh, I thought some of the scenes were just ridiculous and yeah. <laughs> it was way, way too long for my, frankly, addled and poor attention span brain. What do you reckon, Jim? Um, I would, I, I'm certainly, I'm not going to hammer you for liking musicals, uh, Luke, to each, to each their own. Um, but I, I would say what was interesting about it was seeing, uh, seeing a movie from the point of view of the South Asian community in London. That was, that was actually quite an interesting world. That yes. I was, I was glad to sort of spend the time in, um, but it, it, it was quite jarring, isn't it, to, to Western eyes, really? Because the, the dubbing and the melodrama, of the dubbing's mad. Like, oh, all of the, the dialogue is, is, is dubbed and kind of quite clunkily so. And everything's very melodramatic. Um, and one of the things I found quite difficult about it was the, the way that the, the lens... That, through which women are seen in it they, they were just they were window dressing or they were somebody who would just nag or or they were they were utterly forgiving of completely awful behavior in a lot of cases and there was a lot of casual sexism from the dialogue in the main characters too um to the point where they went to brighton beach for a team bonding exercise just met loads of women hanging out on the beach in bikinis on a on a gloomy day went to the pub with them and they just they were just still in their bikinis it was all very, it was all very that was a bit <laughs> you, you used to live in brighton um, you know that's absolutely true to love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd never seen any of those women in Brighton, so um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't remember that. But yeah, there was, um, there was, there was the internal logic of the movie was was a bit wrong as well because the idea mm. is that this team hadn't won a single game in twenty five years. <laughs> twenty five years. Yeah, but they didn't have a kit. And yet the league that they're in had a, had a prize pot of three million pounds. Now, the idea behind the team, the behind the movie is that this team is going to lose their ground because this guy who's just sort of this guy who's hanging around, who seems to be some sort of king making deal breaker. He's also a local mm. like pundit um, on, on this sort of local TV station that for some reason has a lot of clout. And there's a Princess Diana developer kind of character. Yeah, she works with the council and she, she wants to kind yeah. of develop the ground. And she keeps saying, shit. That seems to be like her cat <laughs> um, Can I just say, Jim, all that stuff you pointed out there about them not winning the game, not having a kit, it was still 100% more believable than Soccer Dog. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's, absolutely <laughs> it was. A lot of it, like a lot of it, was was actually. I thought. I mean, you said it's 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 an image in the South Asian community in Britain. I would argue it isn't. It's a Bollywood idea of what the South Asian community in yeah, Britain well, probably yeah, is well, like. Of course, but, yeah, of course. And, and and a lot of what made me giggle was like because obviously you have to concentrate on on the subtitles and a lot of like um, in Indian films they'll they'll switch between Hindi and, and, and English to either indicate social class or or they'll have subtitles for like uh, the diaspora and kind of second generation as who don't have that much of a handle on, on the Hindi language. But <clears throat> sometimes in this film, 
they'll subtitle the English with and say something. They'll subtitle when the, the characters are speaking English with a completely different phrase. <laughs> so, like, yeah. the character will say, oh, that's a little little bit below the belt. And in the text, it'll say, she really hits where it hurts. And I'm like, that's a completely <laughs> different phrase. I, I can't learn anything here. <laughs> Marcus, yeah. what do you think? <laughs> there's, there's, there's a few finer details that I'd like to point out. One of them, which I found very, very amusing, is is that they, they go into a pub at one point, the team, and there's a load of blokes sitting around watching a football match. And it's mm. like blazing sunshine outside uh, for West London. And uh, it's during the day. Uh, but the match they're watching is they're watching the precise moment of the penalty shootout between England and Germany at Euro 96 when Gareth Southgate's penalty is missed. And they all go, yeah, oh, so like that. So yeah, also, Marcus, <laughs> if I may cut in on that, there is a there is some sort of generic kind of background pub shouting while this is happening. Yes. Like, shoot, yeah. shoot. And yeah, one yeah, of yeah. the lines is, pass the shot. <laughs> that's, that's the thing love the that. dubbing everything is dubbed even though you can see that person in the in the scene saying that word like why do you dub? Mm. And, and, and sometimes they dub with Idiot, Maybe. baby. <laughs> Sometimes they're dubbed with uh, with a slight faux American accent. So, like the physio at this non-league club, like or, or, or sort of, it, I suppose it is it, set up. So it feels like a non-league club, but as you say, Luke, it's it's in this sort of weird sort of league where the pot is three million pounds. Yeah, those but... final scenes were shot at Millwall, weren't they? Definitely. Mm. Yes, yes, the yeah, combined yeah. counties league. It's identified as. Yeah. Well, Southall United are are a side. They're a football club. Um, so obviously they've, they've they've used the club there, but like the physio kind of you know he he talks to one of the players, and then he you know massages him whatever, and he leans over and goes, I think I think you're all you're okay now or something. It's like where's that voice come from? Like clearly he doesn't speak with some sort of mid Atlantic kind of fake accent. Um, I, I found it. I, I mean to be honest, I thought some of the characters were quite likable, which yes. we can't say mm. the same for. In hot shots, so that was quite enjoyable. So it was a <laughs> player for keeps, yeah. Oh, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so some of them were quite likable, as I say. And Luke, you're absolutely right. The the, the guy who's like heralded as as the best player in the whole thing is actually a footballer. And some of the yeah. football scenes, I thought actually so far these are the best football scenes I think we've had. I'd say maybe I even better than that. even better mm. than Shot of Glory. So so that was that was that was great. Uh, so well, Marcus done. would would. Monty Singh yep. would probably um, qualify ah. as an England striker. Would you give him a penalty a penalty shootout berth? Would you yeah, allow so, him to take so, one? <laughs> I mean, I, I think that if he was... He hits him high, doesn't he? He, he hit one about 40 yards over the bar. If he was a rugby man, <laughs> I'd put him on conversions, definitely. Um, but not penalties <laughs> in football. But the other thing I found quite strange is... <clears throat> and I think you're absolutely right, Pete, when you say it's a Bollywood version of the South Asian community in, in this... Uh, little part of West London is that when the main character Sonny, who's the best player, he's playing for a, for a, a team in the same league who happen to be like all white. They're all white players, and he gets a bit of racist abuse. Uh, and then when he's dropped from the team, um, the, the, he, he 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 becomes sort of apparent or, or very much assumed that it's because that he's not white. And when he says to the sort of the manager or the chairman, I think it is, why why have you not picked me? Why, why am I not in the squad? They both just sort of look at him. And then he goes, is it because of the colour of my skin? And then they both sort of look at him. And then one of them walks off and shrugs. And the other one goes, you know, well, what, what can I do, son? It's like, not be a racist prick. What can I do? Because the manager doesn't speak at any point during that no. exchange. He just gives him a <laughs> no. series of knowing looks. And it's really jarring. Well, the, the final point I wanted to make was that the reason why I think you're absolutely right, Pete, is because this guy, Sonny, who's like the best player, when he goes and plays for Southall United, who are set up as the, uh, an all-Asian club. Now, that's not true in real life, but actually the first all-Asian football club in the country, I believe, was in Southall. So there's there's a sort of an ounce of a nod to sort of history, mm. if, you, if you like, and that sort of thing. It's quite interesting uh, if you read up about the area mm. and its and its sort of hit recent history in the last sort of 50, 60 years. Um, but Sonny uh, goes and plays for them, and then he gets signed to Millwall City, who are dubbed as one of the biggest clubs in the country. He's got a lucrative contract. He's earning a good few thousand pounds a week. They've given him a car, a mansion, all this kind of stuff. You know, it's like, well done, mate. You've done really well there. His teammates and the whole community absolutely chastise him as if he's a complete traitor. And I thought to myself, no, I'm pretty sure that that community would be absolutely delighted if one of their own like got to the to the sort of top level of the sport. And I thought, that's a bit strange, really, isn't it? Anyway. Yeah, but it was the jeopardy involved, wasn't it, Marcus? Because he was their best 
best player and losing them, yeah. which was, you know, part of an underhand shady deal by this common, weird commentator guy, meant that they were unlikely to, to win the league, meaning they'd get the three million pounds to keep their ground. Yeah, but they kept saying it's not about football. But I think you guys, I think you guys have, you guys are slightly missing the point though, because it wasn't made that clear in the film. And I don't really know this because I read the IMDB entry afterwards, that the reason they're annoyed with him and they're upset with him is because this particular team that he signed for have apparent links to like racist movements and skinhead movements and stuff. Uh, and they nice. think of him as, as, as how, they say, what, how can you do that when you've been a victim of racial abuse oh, yourself? Right. And how can you do this to this community? But I concede it wasn't actually made that clear in the film. Perhaps it, we, we missed the subtleties of it or something because we're, because we, yeah, we're not from that background. Uh, can I just jump in with one more point? At, right at the start of the film, one of the main players for Southall United, he, he's, his uncle is the manager of the team or the chairman of the team. And he's yes. given this news of you've got to kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, get three million quid or whatever together to keep the ground and keep the club going. And he's driving him home and, he's, and his uncle <clears throat> is sort of going, ah, oh, it's terrible. It's a really bad situation. And then his uncle just dies in the car. Yeah. And he turns <laughs> yeah, around. That was weird. He turns, yeah. he turns around. I forgot. And he goes, yeah, he turns around and he's just like, oh, oh, uncle. Oh. And it's like, how did, firstly, right? How Uncle's do you know dead. Just, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, ah, oh, damn it all. What, surely the, the, the response to that wouldn't just be, he looks, he just suddenly stopped. Therefore, all right, he's dead. There's nothing we can do. People will be like, oh shit, mm. is he dead? Get him to the hospital quickly. This guy's just completely <laughs> resigned to the fact. His skull oh, just no. ends there, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and, then, and then five minutes later, there's a don't mess with me, hey dude, uh, banging at a That's a brilliant tune. Some of the tunes that were really good. Yeah, some of the tunes were brilliant. <laughs> that one particularly was amazing. I was actually humming that around. So was my wife for a good while yeah. afterwards. But what, how, I was going to ask you guys, how... So we've done quite a few of these now. Mm. Can you, can you, just because I'm interested, can you each give me, like, in a word, your favourite and least favourite films uh, so far? So if I start with you, Marcus. Mm. Uh, I, mean, I think something that we can all agree on is that, that football films are a bit shit. Like, no matter <laughs> what, what you do, that's become abundantly clear. The ones I choose are. <laughs> well, I, I would say, purely for the fact that it's from a different era, and so therefore expectations are a bit different, blah, 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 blah. I'd say the Arsenal Stadium mystery would be probably my favourite. But other than that, I'd maybe say the the first one we've watched, Goal, might, might be the better one. The worst one by a country mile. And if anybody has a different worst one, then they're a moron, is obviously Soccer Dog European. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree on the worst one. I think that's probably fair. My favourite my favorite has probably been... Um, my favourite has probably been... Um, the one with Pele, just because it was just so <laughs> yeah. I'd say, yeah. I'd say, hot shot, my favourite. Snackable, one. snackable, isn't yeah. it? Snackable fun, man. Yeah. yeah. I, see, I would say, um, the, Marcus is right. You know, films about football aren't aren't good. I think there's, there's watching actors play football is like watching footballers act. You know what I mean? It's got that weird uncanny <laughs> valley sort of jarring. And feel never the to twain it. shall um, meet. It, it, absolutely. So I think. Um, I would I would agree with Marcus actually. I enjoyed the Arsenal Stadium mystery the most because it football is incidental in it, isn't it? It's not mm. really a football yeah. movie. It's a movie where football happens in the background. And obviously, yeah. Soccer Dog is the is the worst movie, like <laughs> probably that any of us have ever seen. But I would say because it was so bad, I at least thought it was funny. And I think yeah. the one I've enjoyed least, possibly because of a hangover, was a shot at glory. Um, I just right, found yeah. it just hard to watch. That's a shame not because of the consequences of my actions. To be fair, <laughs> um, I really enjoy. I'm, I, I, I kind of got to come down to the film that I saw on Holloway Road uh, all those years ago. A uh, goal. It just ticks a lot of boxes for me, just personally. I, I can't ignore <laughs> yeah, the, the shots of like the grainy sort of grey um, kind of shots of uh, Newcastle United's ground. It's, it's, it, 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 there's, something, there's something in there for me, I think. But the worst one was probably Soccer Dog. Oh yeah, Pete. I, I often <laughs> sort of bring up the fact that you gave goal nine out of ten had you have chosen yeah. a different film that you uh, that was better than goal you're basically saying oh yeah that well a shot of glory was a 10 out of 10 for me <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's well, your I point like... marcus what's your point yeah 
the, the, film that, the film that most people are suggesting to me, and it is every day. So, again, guys, we don't need suggestions for how we're going to end the league. We also don't need suggestions uh, <laughs> watching Charlene Soccer. It's a good film. Everyone saw the film when it came out. Is everyone here seeing Charlene so- Soccer? I've not I've seen not it, actually. Seen it. No. no. Uh, well, maybe we'll get onto it eventually. <laughs> yeah, Pete, tell us what we're going to do next. Three. Just tell us now. Well, next, now. Uh, next Monday's show is, uh, if that was uh, the main, that was your roast dinner, here's your dessert. Final score. When two terrorists kidnap ex-soldier Michael Knox's niece, he employs all of his skills to rescue her and possibly foil a plan of mass destruction as well. Starring your friend and mine, Dave Batista from The Wrestling, if the Pele <laughs> film was Pele doing Karate Kid, this is West Ham doing Die Hard. Oh, oh wow. Okay, has anyone checked the Actually, running order? The running time? Do you want me to check it real quick? <laughs> yeah, please do. I, I remember you watching this. It's one hour Peter. 44, not bad. That's yeah, all right. Not bad. That's it's all right. Not bad. Yeah. And it was filmed at West Ham Stadium. The, the, the last thing, the last uh, thing to actually be filmed at West Ham Stadium uh, was this. So uh, they they blew it up effectively. I like the idea <laughs> of watching Batista run around uh, Upton Park. Yes, please. Oh, yeah, I'll be oh, up for that. Good. And 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 him running around. He's such a big bloke. They've given him big dad jeans. And just just while you're watching it, guys, just check out how big his jeans are. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Big dad Sounds jeans. Good. Boot cut. There we are, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we look forward to it. What was it called? Final score? Uh, yes, final score. Final score. Apparently a budget of $20 million. Uh, and at the box office, it didn't even do $800,000. So, no. <laughs> oh, dear. Perhaps we can, perhaps we can chuck him a, a few quid uh, with a bit of revenue. Um, I don't no, know. No, we're helping. We're helping. Yeah, indeed, yeah. We, but Dave Batista... We're trying to help you, mate. Um, there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening to the Football Ramble. Andy and Jules are back tomorrow, so so get involved there. Uh, and, of course, um, uh, wonderful things happening over at the Patreon, so, so do think about that if you haven't previously. Thank you very much, Luke Moore. Thank you. Thank you, Jim Campbell. You are welcome. Thank you, Pete Donaldson. And Dana Dan Gold. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you very, very soon. This was a Stakhanov production.